0: Welcome to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. I am a big fan of the idea of fractional resources. In our current work culture, we oftentimes assume that every single job needs to follow the same format, the same general, what people call the nine to five, 40 hours a week, when not every need matches that exact paradigm and not every person necessarily wants to work in the same way. My guest today has started a business that has. A new kind of feel to the idea of the fractional resource, because I tend to think of the fractional resource as your freelancer who does 20 hours a week digital design or something like that. My guest today, Soraya Yahaya, started a business where she acts as a fractional COO resource, as in chief operating officer. Her business, Kazana Incorporated. Saraya, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this is an amazing idea. So you're a fractional chief operations officer. Tell us about how that works.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of a niche business right now. Typically, you see chief operating officers in a company on a full-time basis because the chief operating officer is effectively running the company while the CEO is off doing things like market impact, talking to investors, talking to large customers, talking to the board, you know, just kind of being the face of the company. A fractional chief operating officer is to serve businesses that are pivoting and transforming and going through a ton of change and or really growing really, really fast. And so Mm -hmm. they need immediate support, but potentially not in a full-time scenario yet there's so much change going on, there's so much transformation, there's so much growth happening that they don't quite actually have a niche carved out for a full time person for a variety of reasons. There are cash flow mm-hmm. issues, there's lack of clarity on what a full time person would do as the business continues to change and grow and transform really fast. There's also potentially just a lot of transformation that needs to happen with a growing team. So the idea is bring in someone on a fractional basis, still have them do all the work that a full-time COO would do, and help the company grow, transform, and scale, and work very closely with the CEO on the timing of when the business is at an inflection point to take the next step.
0: So am I correct in characterizing this as people will talk about the entrepreneurial experience, and they'll talk about starting a business And when you start a business, the common phrase you hear is that people are quote-unquote wearing many hats, or if it's individual, it's all that. It's just you starting the business. And as you kind of build it out, you're maturing. And eventually, if you build it up to a a large business, all your C-suite leadership are going to be full-time people. But there's a period of transition in between when you're growing, say, from one person to 300 people or something in that. Is that the correct understanding of how this works?
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. I came from a very diverse background myself. I started out as an attorney and then I went into operations and strategy and ran big P&Ls and had GM responsibilities, growing and scaling a variety of different functions. The benefit of having someone come in, as you said, to a company that is itself growing and scaling so quickly is someone like myself can wear multiple hats. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a great benefit of other fractional resources. That person is not coming in and saying, oh, hang on, Stephen, you just hired me to be an accountant. That's all (laughs) I'm going to do, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The person coming in is actually going to be like, how can I help you with whatever you need? So Hmm. with the legal background, I'm able to look at things like mergers and acquisitions and deals and other things and, and write policies and procedures and support the members of the organization that need that help with the operations and the strategy background, I'm able to create scale plans and roadmaps and growth plans and help the organization do that. I also specialized COO in that I am an integrator for companies running the EOS model. I have been working with a lot of companies who are running the entrepreneurial operating system model. It's called EOS, and I'm an integrator, which means COO in EOS language. Oh, wow. And so I'm able to help companies who are running EOS in their organization merge and run the company according to the EOS rules. And that's a lot of moving parts that need to be coordinated.
0: Tell us a little bit about the EOS system. Is it a system, a paradigm
1: It is. So it was started by a gentleman named Gina Wickman. Uh, He has written a large number of books about the topic. They're very, very interesting. I encourage a lot of entrepreneurs who are interested in running their business in a scalable, systemic, organized fashion, who want to kind of cut the swirl that's going on in the company, who want to really just be on a path to create traction for the organization to move Mm -hmm. forward, to read those books. The first book is called Traction ironically, which explains the EOS model and how organizations, entrepreneurial companies can gain traction uh, in their company. And there are coaches, if you will, in the EOS system, they're called implementers. They come in and they teach the operating model to an Mm -hmm. organization, to the leadership team. And then the integrator slash COO is the person who ensures that the organization keeps marching down the path of the EOS model. And that's through managing their resources, holding people accountable and making sure that the plan that's been set on a quarterly basis gets executed. The
0: EOS model, is this a model that you would recommend people, let's say someone listening is starting up a company right now. Is this something that should be implemented right from the get-go, right from the seed stage?
1: I think so. I think it's easy in the seed stage to get lost with funding, growing the team, scaling the business, one of the fundamental things that the OS model has people do is figure out the right seats, the right meaning in non-EOS speak, the seats mm-hmm. mean the, yeah. the roles. So the right seats that you need in order to build and scale your business. And I mm-hmm. think that's very helpful for companies in the seed stage. What are the right seats that I need in the organization? And then you figure out, do you have the right people to sit in those right seats? And if you don't, then you start to prioritize and figure out, okay, well, maybe Steven can do this seat, this seat, this seat. And then I know as I need to scale, I need to figure out the right person in the in the other seat. So Steven can move back to what he's traditionally good at.
0: Nice. And one of the things that I've always wondered about putting together a team is how people go about putting their team Thinking about the different personality types, personality traits, and how they fit in together. Because we often hear about people who are naturally ideas, starters, and people that are really good at like operationalizing an idea. Does that factor into kind of putting together these seats in the EOS model?
1: Absolutely. So typically the CEO in an EOS company is called the visionary. Like we Mm -hmm. talked about big picture, big ideas. I want to go this way. I want to take the company this way. The integrator, which is the CO of the company, helps put together the execution of the big ideas. And all the operating functions typically report to the integrator, which is the COO, so that those operating functions are then working on their individual pieces. Hmm. But you're absolutely right. A person who's in the seat of marketing, we're not going to expect them to pivot and be very detail-oriented when it comes to looking at budgeting and financing. Yes, (laughs) they have to be accountable Mm -hmm. to their own marketing budget, but you're not going to expect the marketing person in that seat to be sitting in the CFO seat, as an example. Those are totally different skill sets. What I like about the EOS model is, again, right person, right seat. Make sure that you're putting together a team where people are aligned with the role. Yep. Everyone has a skill set that's perfect for the role that they're going to be in. You put together a diverse team, and then that team executes the company's vision.
0: And so how often is the makeup of the team, whether you're looking for the right, say, diversity of different backgrounds or the right different personality traits and how the personality traits fit in together, how the skill sets fit in together? How often should that be reevaluated under the EOS system?
1: You do a quarterly check in to make sure that people are aligned with their role accountability, values of the company, and rocks. Rocks are initiatives that have to be done in a 90 day timeframe. Much like traditional or, or, or non EOS companies, I, I would say you do an end of year check in to make sure that all the quarterly rocks have been accomplished and that the company's one year plan has been executed. So hmm. it is a very scheduled check-in that you do against your rocks, which are your quarterly initiatives. And you're also checking in to make sure that people are still aligned with the company values. The idea in EOS is you have core values, you hire, fire, promote according to your core values. People have to be a fit with the company culture. One of
0: the things that I often wonder for people who are looking at like this whole thing from a high level, an EOS system, what do you think is the biggest difference between an organization implementing EOS and a standard organization that you'd see out there today?
1: One is the alignment with the core values. Two, it's the alignment with role accountability. Your role accountability, let's say again, if you're an accountant, is very, very clear what you're responsible for. And there's constant check-in with your role accountability. Three is your accountability towards execution of your rocks. There's nowhere to hide, if you will. Every 90 days, you have three to five big things that you have to complete that you signed up for, by the way. There's no kind of running away from them. There are weekly meetings to track progress. And then the rest of the time you're working towards it. And at the end of 90 days, you're accountable to showing that you did what you were supposed to do.
0: If you were to measure, say, the average employee working in a organization using the EOS system versus the average employee anywhere, would you think that the average EOS employee is happier? Because we all seen the statistics around workplace satisfaction over the past, say, decade, and it's not been very pretty.
1: Yeah, I think so. And there's actually another book coming out called Living the EOS Life, which is a little bit geared more towards the entrepreneur, the CEO, and how when you know your company is running so well, you can kind of take time off or or not be so involved in the business because the company is effectively running on a scheduled program. But Mm -hmm. I think employees' satisfaction is increased with EOS because there's so much clarity in the process. I know what core values are. I know I'm being held accountable to that. I know what my role accountability is. Someone strolls in and tells me, hey, Steven, instead of accounting, how come you're not working on that marketing plan? It's like, no, that's no, that's that's not me. There's very clear role expectations. And there's also very clear expectations of performance against your 90-day rocks.
0: So people know what's expected of them. And people also know that that's not going to suddenly be up and changed on them without some sort of conversation. It sounds like about alignment with company values, alignment with personality, all these other things that some organizations may have a tendency to ignore as they just kind of like move the pieces of the puzzle around, like on a board.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too, is there's also very clear measurements in EOS. There's a scorecard that gets measured on a weekly basis. So if things are trending in a not so great direction, there's the ability to kind of pause and take a look and see what's going on that's impacting that so that at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year, there's not a, yeah, I kind of was worried about this this whole year. I didn't really want to say anything, but now you've missed your goal. So we have to have a different conversation. There's going to be clarity that the goal is in jeopardy throughout the year.
0: So and there's a yes. lot less spinning your wheels for months and months on end, being like another week, week in, week out, I still don't know what I'm doing, why I'm doing this, why I'm doing that type of thing.
1: Right. Or surprises, right? No one wants to be surprised in a performance evaluation conversation at the end of the year. Yeah, it looks like you didn't actually make this happen. So here we are having a tough conversation. There's going to be those leading indicators that tell you that stuff's not trending in the right direction. So you're able to kind of dive into that. And in EOS speak, it's called the IDS, which is identify, discuss, and solve the problem.
0: Interesting. One of the things that it reminds me of is not just doing your company or your organization a disservice, but doing yourself a disservice, because it's my sincere belief that the world of trying to find people the right employment should not just be about finding a job. It should be about finding the right job for the right people. And yeah one of the things I feel like keeps a lot of people stuck in the jobs that they're in right now is -hmm. the fact that finding another job, it's such a daunting task. It's the whole process, the interview and everything like that. And I'd love to see people make improvements to that world, but also make improvements to try to find someone say, okay, I need a job right now. Have it more be like, I need to find something that fits what makes me shine. And so when you have to have one of these IDS discussions or Mm -hmm. if you have to let go, as you say, fire according to your values, that that's actually also hopefully what's best for the employee as well. So that person can find something that's a better fit for themselves.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. During the conversation about, hey, you're not meeting your core values or you're not meeting your role expectations. If your core values are to take care of the people in the company, then that conversation is not a punitive conversation. Hopefully that conversation is, hey, how come this is not working out? Or why is the scorecard not looking, you know, trending in the right direction for you? Hopefully if your core values are to take care, for example, of your people, it becomes a conversation of maybe this is not, you're not in the right seat. Maybe this is not yeah. the right role for you. Or maybe, you know, your skill set is better aligned with a different seat. Hopefully it doesn't become a punitive conversation.
0: In your role as a fractional COO, How does that kind of manifest in making sure that this conversation doesn't become a, you're not doing well, and it becomes more of a supportive conversation, like, oh, something's not working out. Maybe you're in the wrong role. Maybe there's something else going on in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the people side of any organization, EOS or non-EOS, is always the tricky part to get right. You know, you can have Mm -hmm. the best plans in the world and the best metrics in the world, but you really need to understand and dig down and understand what's going on. I practice a lot of communication, cross-functional communication as a COO. I'm not one of those COOs who sit and just look at the scorecard and be like, Hey, Bob, you're out. It's red. You're out. I practice a lot of communication, coaching, coaching, mentoring, kind of digging deep and understanding, like, why did this not work out? Oh, you've had, you know, some impacts from the pandemic impact you, for example, or you've had something else happen to you. The hope is that as a fractional resource or even a full-time resource, you've picked a company that aligns with your personal value, Mm -hmm. empathy, again, caring for other people, et cetera. And so those values, I think, drive my conversations as a COO to kind of dig down deeper.
0: As a fractional COO, when you're doing some of the filling the seats, as you call it in the EOS system, do you end up bringing on a lot of other fractional resources for these other seats?
1: Yeah, it's a mix. But yes, I would say by nature of the companies that I work with and help, again, a lot of change, a lot of growth, a lot of transformation, full-time is not necessarily the right fit for a variety of different roles. HR people, for example, or legal people or different facets of finance, like tax. The company may not want a full-time tax person, for example. Yeah. I'm actually working with a client right now where we are in the midst of massive transformation in, from an HR perspective, and it doesn't make sense to have a full-time HR resource on board It makes sense to have a fractional HR resource on board. And so my job as the COO is to work with kind of the other leaders in the company to figure out what that best fit would be from a fractional standpoint.
0: In general, when you look at what's going on in the world, kind of just in our work culture, is anyone else looking at resources in the same way? Because I've never heard of fractional resources at the C-level. I'd heard of them, obviously, at the level of some of these people you talk about, lawyers. I feel like lawyers are always fractional resources, accountants quite frequently. yeah, how many other people out there are looking at it in the same way that you
1: are? At the executive level, sort of you think? yeah. yeah, I think it's becoming an increasingly more frequent occurrence. I actually was interviewed for an article recently about executive fractional resources. Oh, nice. And yeah, it's on my LinkedIn page and my company page, Kazana Inc's company page. And it talks about the value of executive leadership in today's gig economy. The gig economy Mm. is such, to your point, that it's not just the, hey, graphic designer, hey, marketing copy person, hey, accountant. It is becoming more of a common occurrence at the executive level to try leaders out or Mm -hmm. spend a fraction of what they would normally spend on an executive leader full time, try out a person to get the company to a certain point and not spend and not be committed full time. Because once you're committed full time, if their issues fit or the company has transformed, you don't need that role now, then it's much harder to be like, oh, geez, I don't need this role now. Yep. It is becoming a, a much more frequent occurrence. The other thing that I'm finding is CEOs and boards. So I've actually been hired by a couple of other boards as well for to help some other companies. Is Boards are liking the fact that they can hire an executive resource with a ton of diverse skills. Oh, nice. Yeah. Fractional executive resources have run a lot of different companies and seen a lot of different things happen. And so you bring that collective expertise To say, okay, yep, newly acquired company. I kind of know how to get this going, get this off the starting blocks. Okay, company going through a lot of transformation. Yep, seen this before, kind of know how to help that.
0: Since you brought up your LinkedIn, your website, please inform my listeners here. How would they they go about finding out about your services and getting a
1: hold of you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, on LinkedIn, I'm Saraya Yahaya on LinkedIn. Look me up and I'm in, uh, location is Denver, Colorado. And then my company has a LinkedIn page, Kazana Inc. on LinkedIn. I also have my own website for my own company, Kazana Inc., which is K-H-A-Z-A-N-A-Inc.com. It talks about some of the case studies of companies I've worked with, explains a little bit about fractional COO and fractional EOS integrator, how that helps the business, and then some articles and, and things that I've been involved in.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. You told me before you work with a few different companies at once. How does that work out in your personal schedule and the work that you get to be involved with?
1: Yeah, again, you know, it's interesting. I go back to core values. So part of the reason I, I started down this journey is I had a ton of diverse experience and it was sort of like, a, what do I do with all these skills, all these experiences I've had running businesses, scaling organizations, managing P&Ls, being in charge of deployment and operations and legal skills and stuff. And I thought, how do I add value to other organizations while being true to my core values, which is mm-hmm. to, I have three young children at home and you know, I wanted to build a business around my life as a mother and a working mother and still do things that I enjoy like mentoring and coaching and service and and giving back to the community. Full-time seemed like a very daunting task to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. Full-time is definitely achievable, but it just seemed very challenging to live my core values, you know, and to do some of those things. And so I have been fortunate to find companies that are aligned with my core values of service and family and giving back to the community and helping others. So my schedule, I'm grateful to be able to work with companies that have my full time and attention, but then also understand that as a fractional resource, my time and attention is divided. I I have other things going on it's
0: naturally going to be elsewhere. And I think that whole point of view fits not just for people who are working, say, two or three different fractional resources, but anyone working any job, employers should kind of understand that your job is not the only thing in your life going on. You're going to want to do things like go to the family. You're going to want to do things like hang out with your friends, do other things that take care of your mental health, and that there's always going to be a time when you're just simply not available. Right. Like, Correct. I want to get a hold of you, but you are just not available. You have another aspect of your life going on at this moment in time. And I think that's actually right now one of the keys to improving our work culture in the long term. The whole idea do I need to talk to you right now? Or can I set up a meeting? Right. Can I set up a meeting for next week or later this week or something like that to talk to you so you know how to kind of fit the pieces of your life together the way yeah. you want it fit?
1: Exactly. I mean, I tell my clients that I am available even outside of my time with them on a fair and reasonable basis. Meaning even if I'm not there with them, they can call me or text me. And if it's within reason, I will respond because when you are the COO, emergencies do happen. Mm -hmm. But by and large, Especially if you're a company running on the EOS model, there's a prescribed cadence, if you will, to how things are working. Yeah, this idea that you know I'm going to text you or call you in a non-emergency situation and I'm expecting an immediate response. As a culture, we need to start moving away from that.
0: And how do you go about distinguishing in your communications the difference between an emergency and a non-emergency? A lot of people talk about having Zoom and Slack and all these communication channels. Yeah, sure but some people will just slack you no matter what. For example, how do you actually communicate to someone? Wait, this is an emergency and I need to talk to you now versus, oh, I just had a question.
1: Yeah, I think that it's through relationships. You know you know what I'm saying? It's through relationships. Yeah. And again, you've, you've aligned yourself with the right company, the right company and you are aligned and you'll know some of my clients sometimes will want to call me to run things past me. And again, because I make myself available even outside of working hours, Mm -hmm. You know, I look at the issue that comes up on my phone or email. And if I'm like, hey, I do have 10 minutes or 15 minutes while I'm waiting for Something I will respond. It may not be a non-emergency, but I have the time and my clients know that I'm engaged with them. But yep. sometimes I look at something and it's like we have an HR violation or, you know, a computer system has been hacked or something. That is an emergency yep. that the COO needs to respond. Then I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm responding to that issue. But I think you do that by aligning yourself with the right organization, whether you're full-time or fractional. If you're in a full-time job, let's say, for example, and you're finding that you're getting pinged left and right for things constantly, but that's not how you yourself find value in things or want to live your life in terms of your value, then maybe you're not aligned with that organization.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is that the key to finding that right alignment, finding that balance between being there for your organization when they really need you yeah. Whether it be these emergencies or some of these even impromptu conversations, but also being able to live your life the way you want to live it is finding the right alignment and building the right relationships. Yeah, one of the things that I do observe though is that it seems like those aspects of finding a job they're often kind of underrated or ignored in a way compared to yeah. just matching this skill set. Like, oh, you know, this particular program and this job needs this particular program. Do you see that yeah. as something that's changing over time?
1: I don't want to assume that everybody has the freedom, the flexibility to align themselves with an organization from the get-go or every single time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of us, and I certainly have had this experience, have to take jobs because we have to. We have to pay bills. We have to take care of our families. There's a mortgage that's due every month, rent, whatever. And some of us just don't have a choice. And there are going to be instances when you have to do that. But I would say skills alignment is important because it's right seat, right role. Mm -hmm. But culture fit, personality fit, alignment with your values. Those things, I think, if you have the ability to seek those things and be aligned with those things, that's going to create a much better fit for you. And a much better fit, I think, for the organization.
0: Sounds like you found a lot of organizations that you've worked with In fractional resources over the last several years that do align with your values. How did you go about finding those organizations or finding out the people who match your values?
1: I have been grateful to have been referred to a lot of great companies through a lot of great friends and colleagues. And I think it's putting yourself out there and being honest and authentic about what you can do for the organization, but also who you are there are going to be tons of opportunities that pass you by, which as all of us entrepreneurs know when you're first starting out is like the worst thing that could happen because you really need the gig, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. But it's a better thing for you long term to keep putting yourself out there authentically and saying, Yes, here's all my skill sets, diverse background, da-da-da-da-da. But here's also who I am. Yeah. And then there will be that right match out there. And so I've been grateful to be able to find companies that align with who I am and have been grateful to be working with them. There's also a lot of companies that I, have you know, had to say no to or they've said no to me because there's not an alignment there.
0: That makes perfect sense. And for the listeners out there who are stuck in that situation that you alluded to where I had to take this job, I need the money, yeah. I have the mortgage, the bills to pay and everything like that. Right. But they're in a job that's say not a really good alignment. What do you think someone should do? today or tomorrow to start seeking out that role or that niche that is more aligned with what they value?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things. Start small. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. We all have to do mm. what we have to do at certain points in our life. Figure out parts of your life that you can live out authentically. And it may not be in a job initially. Maybe mentoring. It may be volunteering. It may be painting. It may be repairing cars. I don't know. It may be cooking. I love to cook.
0: So it doesn't have to be the job necessarily. It doesn't have
1: to be the job, but I think as you live parts of your life out authentically, one, you're not so focused on what a crappy situation you're in, in your current job. Mm -hmm. Two, you expose parts of yourself, I think to the world and to the universe that helps people go, oh, wait a minute. You know, Stephen's actually a really great cook. Maybe we should think about introducing him to so-and-so because those guys really could sit around and talk about wine and food all day. And your circle starts to grow. And even if it doesn't lead to you being able to set up your own fractional business or start to do some freelancing on the side, I think it helps lessen the stress and the focus on the job that you currently have.
0: So the key is to avoid the trap of say, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get drunk and whine about how crummy my situation is. And to just say, all right, here are the things I like doing. I'm going to go do it, put myself out there. Maybe the people, maybe the opportunity will come about maybe, but not even necessarily have that at the front of your mind, at the front of your mind, just say right now I'm out in nature hiking right now. I am helping my friend fix his bicycle or something. And this is bringing me joy in this very moment.
1: That's exactly right. It's funny. I actually told one of my clients and they were sort of at a crossroads. I was like, you know, at some point, all the plans, all the math, all the roadmaps, all the operational strategy in the world is great. But at some point it's like, is the business really bringing us joy? And I would say the same thing applies to your personal life, right? Exactly. The, there's the going home and getting drunk and being you know, really upset about the situation you're in. And there's the, I've got to do this for this period. I've got to do it, make it happen. But then I also enjoy, because I'm a great cook, maybe I'll go cook, make soup at the soup kitchen on Thursday nights. You know, and that kind of gets you out of that space and gets you focused on something else. And then you start to build a life around you that's more than than the work that you do.
0: And one thing I've noticed, being a person who's gone through some really high and low points in life, some ups and downs, is that just starting to feel a little bit better, just getting out of that really low point, you're actually more likely to make a good impression on the people around you.
1: Right, exactly. You're more likely to make a good impression. You're not as stressed out about the crappy situation you're in and and it comes across and you just don't know whom you're going to meet, what situations you're going to run into when you start to expand your value in other areas.
0: That's awesome. And that's a great thing because I would very much love to see more people, more of my listeners, the people who are tuning into this program for that antidote to the mindset that keeps you setting for less, getting out of that situation and getting to something better One last question about kind of getting to something better or opening up new ideas to people. Now you work in fractional resources, you're a fractional COO, you hire a lot of people with fractional resources. What do you think is the main thing stopping most people in the world from adapting a mentality that says, oh wait, we don't need to make everything 40 hours a week. It can be different paradigms to fit different needs.
1: One is the idea that I'm going to, hire fractional, but then Steven will leave at the end of six mm. months or yeah. the company would have grown to a certain point where I don't need Stephen, And oh my gosh, he's not in the business with us anymore. He has taken all that knowledge and, and left the business. But the idea of hiring a fractional resource, if you find the right fit, that person is giving you a ton of their skills, a ton of their experience, and also coaching and developing your people. They're not just the graphic designer who's doing the work there and leaving. They're the graphic designers doing the work there, but also adding value in other areas, talking about overall projects and initiatives and giving the organization much more than the skills they were hired for. So I think one is the concern that the person is going to leave and take all their knowledge with them. And I and I think that. That idea is slowly being debunked as more and more fractional resources add over and above the value they were hired to provide. The other concern, I think, is, well, you know, what does fractional mean? How is this going to look to my competitors and peers in the marketplace? Oh, my gosh, I don't have a full-time chief marketing officer. And I think as more and more companies do that, that stigma is just being removed.
0: So it seems like it's a mindset issue on the organization point of view, as well as a kind of concern about perception, because I feel like a lot of people limit themselves in so many areas of life based on this concern about how something they do is going to be perceived. I am yeah. this age, race, gender, I'm supposed to be doing this, or have right. people are going to look upon me weird because I'm doing this instead of that. Yeah. You see this mindset kind of gradually improving
1: Right. I think the pandemic has taught us a lot of things. We are a lot more flexible and adaptable than we think. We are a lot more resilient than we think. And this idea that, yes, I can hire fractional executives. Yes, I can grow and scale my business. It's not as scary anymore. You know, Businesses have been through tough things and they're ready to grow and scale. And the idea of hiring a fractional resource is not that scary anymore.
0: I, for one, sincerely hope that that is correct, and just because of so many people in so many situations that, first of all, would like to have a fractional resource for the many reasons. As you say, these companies yeah. are scaling up in six months. They're not going to be the same company, the ones you work right. with, as they were before. And then also people with different needs. A new, say a new parent should be able to be a fractional resource and- yeah. To have that time to actually totally. witness their child's childhood. That, that sounds like an amazing world that you're right. helping create.
1: There was another article I was involved in too about working mothers during the pandemic. A lot of mothers have, and Melinda Gates cited this in an article she wrote, yep. um, have carried the brunt of being the primary caregiver for children and other you know, members of the family that need care during the pandemic being able to be a fractional resource has allowed a lot of working mothers to continue to add value and to contribute in a significant way to the economy and the reopening of the economy and so I think that that is a trend that is going to continue
0: I love the idea anyone that I've talked to say becoming a new mother there tends to be kind of two ends of the spectrum the one that stay home and they're like I just need something outside of the house and my baby I yeah, just need right, something right. else to do but the ones that are right. still working full time they're like I have no energy to even think anymore Yeah, and having that in between option, I feel like was helping so many people. And so I wish you the best of luck with continuing this operation and hopefully inspiring others, even anyone out there listening to open up more possibilities to people to orient our lives the way would naturally feel right.
1: Absolutely. You know, get out there, get out there, try it put yourself out there, be kind to yourself. And you just don't know what's going to happen.
0: Definitely. And I will finish up by saying, don't forget the message of be kind to yourself, because a lot of us are throwing shade on ourselves, pretty hardcore right now. And it's not really helping. Once again, Soraya, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on Actions Antidotes. And I'd like to thank all you out there listening and encourage you to join us for more episodes where we'll be talking with more inspiring individuals who've come up with ways to improve their own lives and align themselves properly with what they care about.